We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I will be joined on today's edition of the podcast by Sean Siegel, as always, and we'll also be joined by Blair Andrews, one of the co-owners at Road of His. We are going to be talking to Blair in this draft, as we have been. If you've heard the first two editions, we've been drafting in the FFPC Best Ball Tournament, a $125 tournament with a $100,000 top prize. Hopefully we're heading on our way in the middle of this building the roster do you think it has a chance at winning that top prize Uh, let me know over at overtime ireland if you do or don't believe that is the case but on today's show we will be continuing that final stanza of the draft we'll be picking up those late round targets we'll be seeing who we can get to seal this team and get it ready for success this season so we'll be on the draft board just before we do that i want to let you know as always as a loyal podcast listener you can save yourself 10 percent off a road of his nfl pass all you have to do is add the code rb radio 2021 at checkout that gets you access to all of the content all of the tools up on the rotaviz.com website so don't miss out on that save yourself 10 percent. that is rb radio 2021 but let's jump straight into it let's get back to the draft and uh, keep that clock ticking and the other player that I, the only, the wide receiver in that range that I might have went, um, and that last pick over David Johnson would have been uh, Bateman. Um, I know we talked earlier about Marquise Brown, but any interest in him this season? For sure, uh, it's very, it's pretty rare you get a, a first round receiver, um, rookie receiver this late in drafts, so. You know, I mean, this is about where Justin Jefferson was going last year, and obviously, I'm not saying Bateman Bateman is going to do what Jefferson did, but um, when these guys are going way later in uh, in fantasy drafts than you would expect, based on their their reality draft position, I think that's something to pay attention to. Yeah, at the minute, it just feels it feels too late for me, based on on where he went in terms of NFL draft capital. I don't know who's filling up this queue, but if somebody could make a case for Emmanuel Sanders as our our top player on the board, I'd like to hear that. <laughs> I think Sean. I think Sean out of him. I I have drafted Sanders too. I'll hold my hands up. Um, I don't. So Blair, 
I wanted your take on this as it fits within your research that in after the top 100, we actually really want to be looking at these veteran wide receivers. Gabriel Davis, very efficient last season. He looks like the breakout guy. He looks like the guy who could be the other star with Diggs in this offense, but they do add Sanders. Sanders has been decent, but probably a little bit you know overrated the last several years. And yet the reports coming out of Buffalo is that he is going to be a huge part of the offense and could bounce back to this monster season. So we have sort of these contrasting and really conflicting uh, sort of viewpoints on this. Are you taking any Sanders? I haven't been taking any Sanders, but I do understand the argument for him. And I think right in this offense, you know, if, there wasn't so much weird stuff going on with Beasley. I think that he would be a pretty intriguing target just because he was getting some volume. Um, so if Sanders is going to have that sort of role or even a possibly bigger role, then I think that makes sense. Um, but I mean, that said, it's <laughs> it's still hard for me to actually click on their names when I'm in a draft. You know, like I think uh, someone like Sterling Shepard fits that mold really well this year. Someone who is being undervalued and probably gets a lot of value or gets a lot of volume and uh, returns a, a good win rate. Um, but still, I have not been drafting a lot of him. So and I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a hard time even following my own advice. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult advice to follow because it's not very fun. And <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're looking at these guys that we think could have bigger seasons. One of the things for me with Sterling Shepard is I just don't see any way that he could have a big season. And and that does factor in for me, even though when he's actually been healthy in the past, his win rates have been good, right? I mean, he, he delivers the kind of production you need from the slots he is drafted out of. I, I could see Emmanuel Sanders having a huge season, even though – I have always been someone who didn't draft him, didn't necessarily care for him. He snubbed the Chiefs back in the day. Uh, he was one of those sort of Peyton Manning breakouts. But yet, we can't we can't say that it's all on Manning. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, after he busted with the Steelers, has been a good player. And so, you know, if, if we were to look for this upside scenario late, I mean, if he ends up being the guy who is the clear number two and Beasley and Gabriel Davis are de-emphasized. There could be a big season there, but it's almost one of those things where if Emmanuel Sanders really does have an impact, then maybe you're looking at those three guys wiping each other out. Yeah, and even if we look back to last year, I, I, and I know he's not going to play the same role that John Brown played, but you know, John Brown had a significant enough impact that we could play him in weekly fantasy last year. So you know, if Sanders does along the same lines this year and potentially more, I think I think that offense is going to score a lot of points. Um, and you mentioned Blair the situation with Beasley. Like, who knows what will play out not before the start of the season? So, um, I think I think Sanders could be interesting. Um, and and those teams that I, I'm quite happy when I'm taking those running backs and that kind of nine, ten, eleven, twelve range. Um, he is somebody that I tend to in those drafts come back to. There's a there's a couple of those guys in that range that I I tend to end up drafting. And it's, uh, they're picks that aren't very exciting, but they're, they're picks I think could prove significant at the, the end of the season. And um, we are about eight picks away from, from our next, our next two selections. Um, where are we, where are we starting to point here? Um, there's a couple of um, interesting kind of 
running back options, I suppose we could say, still still here on the board who are probably going to be the majority of the options, or is there any um, wide receivers? You mentioned Rager earlier, obviously the week 14 by as well, but is there any other options in here that uh, that you'd be targeting, uh, Blair? Yeah, well, uh, Bateman is still on the board, so he is uh, definitely interesting. Um might be a little bit early for a guy like Darrington Evans, but um, he's someone I'm trying to get on a lot of teams this year. Uh, One other thing to consider on Bateman is that both of our quarterbacks play against Bateman during the fantasy playoffs. And so if we're hoping for those games to be shootouts, then having some exposure to a Ravens player who would come back against that would be something. Now we do have Mark Andrews, so we're already set up there. It's a matter of if we think that those games can sustain more or just it would help to have even a little bit more exposure. Uh, Another team that potentially would factor in there to try and get through week 14 is the Chicago bears, but the bears simply don't have guys that you can really draft at this level. Yeah. I think I I thought I'll be honest, he was somebody I mentioned I may have reached for at the last pick. So I, if neither a user against it and he does last through these next couple of picks, I think I would lean to Bateman as that first option. I'm sure he's going to go off the board here soon. Though, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thirteen. Eleven is listening in. So Blair, the, the top guy in terms of running back ADP right now is Devin Singletary. Yeah, uh, we've been starting to attack him a little bit more as the sort of whispers about Moss's health have started to come out. And Singletary has finally generated some very positive press from the Bills. Now, some of that may just be to you know, cover over the fact that they didn't address the position. They may not have Moss. They do want to talk up the guy that they do have there. But when we look at Singletary's career, how explosive he was in college, how explosive he was as a rookie, and then last season, things just really not fitting. You know, the 2020 season might be the season we say that, okay, well, that's the one that doesn't fit, right? The rest of the seasons more are what we think he is as a player. Do you like either the the Buffalo running backs, and are you pulled in by Singletary being a lot cheaper than Moss and healthier? Um, I do, I do like the Buffalo running backs. I like Moss and I mean, Singletary is definitely interesting. Um, I'm not opposed to taking him at this, at this range. Uh, yeah, I like both of those guys. I even like Matt Breida. So I'm, I'm a little bit torn on how, how best to play the, the Bills backfield. Um, obviously, um, I did laugh there a second ago. <laughs> Bateman did, did get selected as well. So, Sean, I'll let you take the wheel here. Um, uh, is, is Singletary where we're, where we're going to look for this first pick? I believe so. Yeah, I'm and good with Singletary. When we move off of him to the next pick, one of the things to consider a little bit about both Hubbard and... Evans both picks I like both picks I think could be absolute home runs those guys also have week 13 buys now that's separate from the wide receiver week 13 buy issue but we're going to be really looking at the running back position to carry us in the flex that week 
And so as we look at that, that may come into play in, in terms of how you know we want to draft our running backs as well. Yeah, the other running back I would pop into the mix would be Bernard um, if we were looking to avoid the week 13. Um, we have 20 seconds left, so I'm going to put Blair on the spot. You can make the pick. <laughs> All right. Well, Bernard gave us some exposure to Brady, who we kind of were almost about to pick. So I'm, I think that's pretty interesting. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, let's do uh, Bernard there. He was not going to come back around, or at least he has, you know, almost a, a full round higher ADP than the other two guys. I think once we have him in tow, if we then do decide to go back with a week 13 buy, uh, we have more flexibility to do that after we've addressed it with one more very solid player who fits what we want in having that receiving back to provide. I mean, we talk about receiving backs providing a weekly floor. It's not really that. It's that the receiving touches allow them to actually score points in a way that you can use them you know, very effectively for fantasy. And in best ball, obviously, we don't have to pick the week that maybe you are trailing and game script forces you into these good points so i think that the bernard probably i mean his real value is probably around round 10 and so to get him here i think is a good value for us yeah and even at that like probably two months ago he i remember i think it was when we might have been with john daigle on sean he was kind of going or it might have been danny i'm not sure which one of them was he was kind of going in that 18 to 20 range at that point like he has come up a good bit but i still think that he's a value at his current spot I think at this point now we're are we sticking to the two tight ends and two quarterbacks and filling it out with wide receivers and running backs i'd be okay with another tight end probably and i think the next few picks i want to probably try to go pretty heavy wide receiver because i still, just, still feel just, kind of weak there yeah, i'm just looking at the tight ends it, it will be a, a while yet but it, and Schultz Sean's probably a, an option there as we get closer to those later picks. Yeah, he's a guy that that we like. Um Zach Ertz, if he had made it to us at that turn, would have become interesting because he's going to end up, you know, not being on the Eagles. And so would have given us some a different value there. One of the things here, and again, we don't really have enough picks to say this with a lot of confidence, but the two tight end approach does give better results in terms of win rate in terms of top two percent in terms of average score now we're just talking about not very many teams and so that's not to say that we should necessarily follow that we don't i don't think we have to be pushed into a pushed into a a third tight end if we don't want the interesting thing there too if you designate that you have two qbs then all of the tight end builds actually work really well and so uh, we've got some different directions we can go. The average scores, if you stipulate just two QBs, are basically identical. And so uh, the two QB, you know, with the early tight end has been very, very effective. And so I like that element of our build. I think it will allow us to get around some of the things that are a little bit different in terms of having the week 14 by with the running back in round one, the second running back early, the multiple wide receivers stacked with that week 13 by. Even with all of that, the build works very nicely overall to create a team that should have a much better chance than average of winning, and it's going to be fairly unique. I just realized we picked like every receiver named Moore. 
it is the triple more team here. You can't go wrong with those guys. There you go. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think it makes sense maybe that uh, a tight end two QB two build would would work or at least would give you more upside because it gives you more shots at those late. Sounds like you're using the word more a lot, but (laughs) (laughs) it gives you more shots at those late breakouts at running back and tight end or at running back and wide receiver. So um yeah, if we decide we just want to stick with the two tight ends, I'm definitely good with that as well. But Blair, your your jinx is only working in one direction. Cole Beasley has not come off the board yet. <laughs> I, can't, I can't understand it. Both I think it's the debate you're drafting that other team. That's the only explanation I can find. <laughs> Beasley and Davis are still there. Jacoby Myers, week 14 by. Uh, I think they're pretty strong favorite to be the wide receiver one for the Patriots. Sterling Shepard, as you mentioned, still there. Uh, Christian Kirk, is there any chance, Blair, that he has his breakout a year later than people were expecting, and in part because Moore and Green have taken both some of the attention and some of the pressure off of him? Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, I definitely still like Kirk. I'm not all that optimistic about Green's outlook in, in Arizona necessarily, but... Part of that probably is because I'm expecting big things from Rondale and not expecting Kirk to just go away. So um, I guess just with the with how many kind of receivers there are commanding targets, it might be a little tricky. But on the other hand, they don't have any tight end to speak of. They don't have a running back with a real strong track record of catching passes. And we know they like to play fast. So I think you could definitely see them have three or four fantasy-relevant receivers 
I mean, at his cost, Kirk, I think, makes a lot of sense. What are your thoughts on Tariq Cohen coming off injury? I think the latest news I read was not that hopeful, uh, not that optimistic about his recovery necessarily, but if he's healthy in that offense, you would expect he'd get some some targets. There's the news of the injury, there does seem to be... I don't know. I, I think when there's concern around injury, that's a pretty bad sign because I think most of the teams are going to talk up how much ahead of recovery and how well the player's doing. And I think then that that's something that tends to worry me when we're talking about things being behind schedule or maybe not as good. Um, I've always liked him as a as a player, um, but uh, the news, the injury news, is really concerning. No, again, we're, we're we're talking about not a huge number, but both logically and in terms of the results, the best results do come from a seven wide receiver, seven running back team at this point. I'm curious as to how much more excited about the running backs we might be here. We talked about trying to avoid the week 13 guys, but Hubbard, I think, is almost a no-brainer at this level if he gets back to us. Penny, someone else who, you know, there's always injury concern with him, but could be somebody who scores so many points that he would be a guy to take us across week 14 when Jonathan Taylor is out. I think that I would lean toward making sure that we have options at running back, considering that in the crucial week, our first round pick will not be playing. Yeah, no, that's definitely reasonable. Um, and I, I would I would tend to agree with that. Um, you mentioned Sean earlier, um, Jacoby Myers and the Patriots. Um, what's your thoughts on him here at this point? Even though he has that week fourteen by obviously, our, we're kind of doing the opposite. Our, our running backs we're going to try and avoid, uh, you know, cover that week fourteen. But we obviously need to, to cover that week thirteen situation as well with the the wide receivers. Are we just going to pin our hopes on the running backs filling the? Yeah, I think that, that Mac Jones could come through and actually have a very strong second half of the season, and Myers does seem to be the guy there. Now, Nelson Aguilar was good enough in a situation last year with the Ra- Raiders where, I mean, there was opportunity, but he still had to go out there and seize that. I don't ever want to denigrate or discount a good season that someone had just because the opportunity was there. There were other receivers on that team who had the opportunity and didn't, you know, didn't go grab it. You know, Henry Ruggs as one of the the prime examples. So, you know, there, there could be some competition for that role, but Meyer seems like a guy who, you know, if he had scored some touchdowns in the last couple of seasons, then uh, even just something little like that would have the fantasy community looking at him differently. One of the other things I was looking at here, and Blair, I'd be interested in your take, both in terms of just this one season that we have of Slim and then the longer time period we have for the classic, this QB stacked with the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two hasn't turned out very good results. Does that eliminate Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and Alan Lazard from consideration? For me, it doesn't. I would still consider them. I think, you know, I only, I always have trouble figuring out exactly how to read the stacks and the results we've had in the past um, because it's just, you know, when you try and 
think about, okay, what actual individual players are making this up? You can see how there's a lot of ways for it to skew in different ways. So, um, you know, seeing, seeing some maybe poor results wouldn't sway me from taking guys that I like at a good value, I think. Um, you know, now in terms of MVS versus Lazard, I don't know. I think it sounds like MVS is probably has a little bit better chance to be the wide receiver too there. Um, but it's hard to tell, but I think he's, yeah, I think he's interesting. So I, I think um, we have Hubbard that has got back to us, Sean. Um, you mentioned him already. I think, I think he'd be my pick here at, the, at this point anyway. Blair, Blair, where are you on Hubbard? Are you as high on his talent as we are? I think he could have a, a league winning season if, the very sad scenario where to play out with CMC again, or is he really just a very, very, very deep target? No, I think he's a good target. Um, I'm, I definitely like his talent and I think that he probably would, would outperform what Mike Davis did last year, early in the year, if CMC were to get hurt. So I'm on board. So um, we're probably uh, leaning, unless we, change on, on Penny or Cohen um, we're probably leaning then back towards wide receiver my only thing and I know I've mentioned this a few times uh, that's Chubbard now with a week 13 by as well so we, we're starting to get into a situation where we have almost um, you know half of the team with a week 13 by so that would probably rule me more off the two Packers wide receivers than than the other options um, with 30 seconds to go on the clock does anyone make a pitch for who we should be taking here I don't have a wide receiver I like. And so I think that Penny, if we think he's got any shot of being the number two in Seattle, would be a pretty clear-cut choice. Blair, do you have a wide receiver you like here? Uh, I don't. I like guys who are going later. Diami Brown, Hamler. I think these guys will hang around. So I'm good with Penny. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. Because I think when we look at these last couple of rounds, I think we have a number of different wide receiver options that we well like um that's what i'm hoping anyway and i think we probably um see the rest of the way out pretty much with with wide receiver you mentioned uh, some of the later guys you might like or you you say there is later guys i know sean's guy in this uh, last couple of rounds is kj hamler um so is there anybody that you're interested in in getting aboard here on the team yeah, well, I mentioned Diami Brown, Washington guy. He was, you know, maybe he'd be a little better if we had gone the Fitzgerald, Fitzpatrick route. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, let me think. Let's see who else. I mean, it sounds gross, but Kadarius Tony was a first round pick. Um, I think probably sticking with that same offense, Darius Slayton will probably still have a role downfield um it's a little it's a little tough to parse how how he and galladay will will play together plus that offense just might not be very good so there are some concerns for sure yeah for me with the giants there's just like so many wide receivers it feels like um the the guys that i've been tending to draft there have been uh daniel jones and Saquon where I've been able to get him um do you have a strong take Sean on those wide receivers uh, in New York overall no I think that for Tony you needed to have 
reports that weren't basically flagrantly awful about <laughs> how he came out and performed in the first offseason activities. And I mean, you look at him and that's exactly what you would expect, right? I mean, his profile throws up a ton of red flags. Now, can he eventually be a Cordero Patterson? And is that a player that can help teams at the NFL level in 2021 or more likely when he was able to do it in 2022, 2023? Yeah. I mean, that's a, a valuable role player, but he doesn't look like a first round pick and he doesn't look like someone who's necessarily going to make an immediate impact especially in an offense that's not set up that way. You know, if you have an offense that's set up with an established elite passer, you have an elite number one, and then you have a hole to where, you know, defenses are going to be playing in a certain way. The young player can really emerge. That's one of the reasons why we really like Rondell Moore, even though he hasn't gotten quite the same buzz as an Elijah Moore. You know, both of those guys are in a situation, or at least Rondell is in a situation where he's got the quarterback, he's got the wide receiver one to take the attention and then i mean he could really go crazy playing off of that tony's not quite in that same situation now with rondell moore you could say well if aj green actually does have a little bit of a bounce back and you know he would need to probably improve like four or five years worth of attitude in order <laughs> to do that in addition to actually you know probably improving physically as well but you know if christian kirk if one or certainly if both of those guys emerge then there are going to be some target volume problems for rondell but we can see a path to a big time breakout season for him. They're different players. It's a different offense. You know, we're not saying that he's going to be this year as Justin Jefferson, but last season, so much of the focus with Adam Thielen was okay. Well, he's going to be this great play because the volume has to all go to him. They have nobody else forgetting that actually it sets up very nicely then for the rookie to emerge. The other guy I think who's interesting in this range might be Denzel Mims. Um, maybe it doesn't make as much sense with Elijah Moore on the team, but uh, that looks like an offense that now has some pretty interesting weapons. Um, you know, maybe Zach Wilson is uh, an upgrade from Sam Darnold and um, no Adam Gase. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I can see... You know, Mims wasn't great last year, but he was getting some getting some targets, getting some air yards, um, pretty much right when he was healthy and able to be on the field. So that's a little bit encouraging. Now, have we talked about Blair? I know that, or at least I believe you have a little bit of interest in Amon Ross St. Brown as a potential volume play do you have a read for us on how this detroit offense will play out uh, column has brashad perryman in the queue i guess i just have absolutely no clue of what perryman will do i thought that he was going to have a much better season last year because he'd had two consecutive years where he showed some real vertical ability appeared to finally be emerging as that kind of guy who you know maybe he just didn't get the right chances early in his career and he's got that size speed combination that's pretty unique but then last year there was absolutely nothing and so you know we start to ask about Amon Ra he does get drafted should he have been somebody we would have looked at Blair yeah I think that I definitely would have been looking at at Amon Ra um uh yeah I mean I think he didn't have exactly the profile we want to see coming out of college, but he did have some, some kind of interesting things about, about him. Um, 
you know, and then for Perriman, he just really doesn't fit the sort of late breakout mold that we have seen. Uh, I think Devontae Parker is like the only guy who's been drafted in the first round who's broken out in year five. I want to say you, you probably wrote that up in one of your uh, wide receiver breakout articles. Um, so for Perriman to go and, and actually have a big season this late in his career after being such an early pick is kind of um, probably not the most likely outcome. But uh, yeah, it's a really tough offense to read. And I mean, I think the the issues with the, or the kind of confusion with the wide receiver is all the more reason to get Hawkinson when, when you can. So I think the first pick here, Sean, I, I don't think we can... We can leave the draft without the signature KJ Hamler pick, can we? Yeah, looking at it, I mean, it would be hard. It doesn't really fit that well. It didn't work that well last year in the slam. It's worked actually quite well in the classic, or it's worked very solidly in the classic, which obviously is a deeper format. I just think that his upside is so far and away above any of the rest of these players that I mean I think that he has to be the pick the other guy that I I was interested in Byron Pringle as an option against Deami Brown probably for the last pick um what's the case for Pringle well they like him and everybody else is terrible (laughs) (laughs) I mean we know that Demarcus Robinson is not is not an NFL player. We know that McCole Hardman has really struggled and can't run routes. There seems to be this comfort level between Pringle and Patrick Mahomes. And maybe you have a little bit of a floor there. Brown is the guy kind of, as you mentioned, who has this vertical element to his game and would seem to fit very nicely with the Fitzmagic profile. And certainly with, McLaurin and Samuel drawing the attention. You could see him get behind the defense for some big plays. Yeah, I, I, I'm easy to which one you just want to go with. Um, let's make a call. I think I would go with, with Brian, probably. That's Blair's guy, so we should definitely yeah. do that. <laughs> so we'll take that. Um, no, I agree with Chance about Pringle as well. Um, I just think uh, the part with Fitzmagic, for as much as I don't know if he'll be there when he's there, it's going to Put up fantasy points, and uh, I think anytime you can have somebody with the the kind of profile of, of Brian there as well, could be very very interesting. And that is going to do it for the draft. We are all the way through. We have a full team in the books, and uh, our next episode is going to be myself, Sean, and Blair recapping maybe where it went wrong. I know if you've listened along to all three episodes, there was some parts where players went that we wanted to get they went a couple of picks early so we'll be talking through those we'll be talking about maybe some decisions uh, that we made at certain points that we may alter or maybe we're very happy with them we'll be talking through that on the next one off of these so that'll be coming on your podcast feed uh, over the next day or so don't miss out you'll be able to find the whole series at rotoviz overtime on your podcast uh, platforms if you listen to the show pretty much available everywhere and of course it'll be up on the main feed as well drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated of course my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and my co-host is sean siegel who you can check out his great work up on rotoviz.com you can also check out blair's fantastic work on rotoviz.com and you can follow him on twitter 
as well at Am I the Real Blair. Do check him out over there and give him a follow. But until we're back with that recap and the final part of the series, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.